You're listening to Her Brilliant Health Radio, episode number 24. She used to deliver babies, but now she delivers exceptional wellness for women. Welcome to Her Brilliant Health Radio, where holistic women's health expert and board-certified OBGYN Dr. Kieran Dunstan shares revolutionary insight from leading experts on what you need to know today to treat the root cause of disease, heal, and create the radiant health you've been searching for. Hey, everybody, it's Dr. Kieran here for another episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. So glad to have you join me today. Today, I'm happy and excited to welcome Rebecca Bedford. I want to tell you a little bit about her. Rebecca is a body positive activist and self-acceptance champion. In 2013, she started her YouTube vlog channel, being an SSBBW, she'll tell you what that is, when she noticed that other videos spoke about people of extended size, but not anyone OF in size. She'll tell you about that too. She uses her platform to reach out to extended sizes, the larger of plus size people, and all those who struggle with self-love and self-acceptance. Anybody relate to that? Mm -hmm. If you're a woman, you probably can. Sharing her experiences through her website, she is also a blogger, vlogger, podcast host, body positive activist, and a public speaker. She uses these platforms to reach those needing to navigate the path of mental health, coming to terms with size, dating, fetish, limitations, and communication within relationships. Please help me welcome Rebecca. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I um, think that I saw you on a site talking about your podcast and what you do, mm-hmm. and I was immediately interested because I have been overweight myself, I've lost 100 pounds, and I've struggled with my weight my whole life, and it's one of the things that I specialize in is helping women lose weight naturally, Mm -hmm. and I've been fascinated with this whole, the body positive movement, and I thought this will be a fabulous discussion, because how do you balance helping people and where's the health in that and there are just right. so many issues so I'm very excited to have this conversation oh uh, yeah um, <laughs> that's one of the biggest things about body positive is a lot of people and I get this ton especially on on social media uh, people reach out to me and they and they're like where do you draw the line Rebecca like you know you're talking about body positivity but there's also health And you need to be able to balance those two, you know, are you glorifying obesity? And that's definitely something that I address in my videos and and everything like that. Um, And and the way I look at it is, um, for me, I grew up like in, for my twenties, I was like a hermit. So I lived like closed away from the world because I thought because I was overweight, I wasn't allowed to live in society. 
So I went through a very dark, depressing mode of my life where I I was shut away. Uh, I worked by myself. I lived by myself. I wouldn't go visit family. I wouldn't go visit friends. And that was a very, very long and dark road. And I didn't accept my body. And I, and I, and I, felt like how everybody feels that, that messages me about, you know, you're promoting, um, death and obesity and everything like that. Cause I thought I wasn't valued enough as a human being to be even seen by somebody out in the world because to be overweight was to be less than. Okay. And you know, when you're overweight and you said that you have struggled with, with weight loss yourself, it's, it's a battle. It's, it's hard to start learning to diet and, and get to a place of health. Right. And I, you know, when I was in that dark area, I went on a million diets and anybody who's gone through weight loss knows that you go through like tons of different diets. You're it's, it's a back and forth and up and down thing until you find what works for you. And what I learned in my process of, of learning of self-acceptance and self-love and dealing with the therapist and dealing with my doctor and everything like that and losing a hundred pounds I also lost hundred pounds once I got to that self-acceptance mm-hmm. was that um, self-acceptance starts from within and in mental health. And I'm a big proponent of mental health and getting to that place of looking inwards because I don't think anybody can be su- successful in weight loss or successful in their life until they come from a place of complete love and understanding of who they are. Because anything that you're doing then uh, after that, if you're not coming from that place is likely for failure. Because if you're doing it because society thinks that you're too fat, if you're doing it because your boyfriend thinks that you're too fat or your mom is too fat, Mm -hmm. or, you know, you have all of this pressure coming at you, you're, you're beating yourself up all the time. You're thinking that you're not good enough. You're, you're, you're wrestling with all these demons and you're not going to be able to be successful in what it is that you're doing, which is getting to a place of of a happier health for you, whatever that may be. Um, Some people think that um, health is being 120 pounds. Some people think it's 200, you know, it's, it's all very personal. So um, that's where I started. And that's what I do is where I talk about body positivity. It's starting from within. All right. So you've brought up a lot of topics in the beginning. <laughs> let's let's back up for a minute. A lot of people listening don't even know what SSBBW is. Well, OF is. So what it would tell people what that is. Okay. So SSBBW is a term that I used when I first entered into the plus size community, I guess what you can say is. Um, and I came out of my hermit cage. It, it stands for super size, big, beautiful woman. Now, I don't like that term, um, but I used it when I first started my YouTube channel, and I, and I use it now because it is, it's, an, uh, it's a, a term within the community that people relate to and understand. So those that are in the plus size community, they know what SSBBW is, and they know what BBW is. BBW actually is kind of popular now. You hear it in songs. You see it on TV. Um, it just means big, beautiful woman. Um, I prefer saying, like, person of size. Um, I think that that's a little bit more, um, inclusive instead of just saying SSB because I don't like anything that's going to, um, point to size or shape or weight. Um, cause somebody who's 200 pounds, that's five foot is going to look a lot different than somebody who's five, eight at 200 pounds. Right. So it shouldn't be, um, based on, on weight or shape. 
Um, I think just saying person of size is, is just more inclusive of, of everybody. But in general, from what I've read, SSBBW means people over 350 pounds. Yes, over 350 pounds. Yep. Right. Okay. And then OF. OF, I think that might have been a typo. <laughs> <laughs> So that's, that's just of. <laughs> Got it. No, but the, the one term SSBBW is super size big. Beautiful. Okay, great. All right. So you describe a, a fairly um, hermit-like existence, somewhat of a social anorectic, if you will. And how do you go from that to being all over YouTube and <laughs> blogging? And- I, you know what? I tried to get weight loss surgery actually. Uh Um, I tried three times to get weight loss surgery and each time I was denied because the only thing that was wrong with me was my weight. So no doctor, I didn't have any problems with my blood pressure or blood sugar or my liver count or nothing like that. There was no, um, uh, issues other than me being a person of size. And so my insurance company wasn't approving the surgery. So finally on the third go for me to get approved for surgery, they're like, okay, if you go see a doctor for six months, every month for six months, and you go see a therapist weekly for six months, Mm -hmm. and they both say that you need surgery, we'll give you surgery. I was like, all right, I'll do it. Okay. So, uh, I went into my doctor and I, and I found a therapist and it was very clear to me within the first couple sessions with my therapist that I had a ton of issues that I needed to get through. And I was definitely not a candidate for weight loss surgery. Um, I realized I had a a food addiction. Um, I definitely had behavior issues with food. Um, And me having surgery at that time or any time, because, you know, food addiction is a lifelong thing. Um, It's always something that I'll have to deal with. Um, I just wasn't a candidate for weight loss surgery. I think that I would have hurt myself or, cause issues with the surgery. Um, so, you know, in the beginning time with my therapist, I would see her like two, sometimes three times a week because it unlocked this. Oh my God, I had all this stuff to work through. And even with going to therapy for the four years that I went to therapy mm-hmm. to get through it, it, she would tell me you're a valuable person, Rebecca. You know, you, you, you should be allowed to live in the world. You should be allowed to go to the grocery store and and go and get groceries. But I was too scared to do that because people would see me. And, you know, what triggered that was, um, when I was 18 and I was significantly smaller and I was just, you know, a little overweight, I had gone to a restaurant with my sister and there was a table of uh, college guys and I had to sit there the whole dinner and they just made fun of me the whole time. So like for 45 minutes, I just heard them saying these horrible things about me. And then I got up to go pay the bill and it got even worse because then they got to see my whole body and I had to walk past them to get up to the checkout to pay the bill. And it was, that was the catalyst to make me think that I just couldn't be allowed in the world. And I didn't step into a restaurant again for nine years after that. Wow. That's every woman's nightmare, whether it's for your weight or your hair or your, you know, I think that women in general have a a large problem with being seen if they're not perfect. Exactly. 
Absolutely. And, you know, I just thought, and, 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 and when I went into that hermit mode, I also thought I wasn't allowed to be feminine. So I never put on makeup. I didn't do my hair. I wore big oversized clothes, big, you know, I never would have thought about wearing a dress or putting on earrings or anything because I, I always thought, why put makeup on a pig? You know, why, why, who would do that? So I shouldn't do that. And, um, you know, when I went into therapy and, and then we went through all of this stuff, even though I was uncovering all these things that I had, my behavior when it came to food, um, my behavior when it came to relating to other people, my communication, mm-hmm. all this stuff, I, I, I realized that, and even after therapy, it was an internal thing that I had to do about learning to accept myself, flaws and all right? And what we do as women and what we do in our society is we beat ourselves up regardless of if it's just weight. It's how we look, just like you said, how we look, how we dressed, how, how we appear to other people, the things that we say are constantly beating ourselves up. Um, and we're constantly like in this kind of vicious cycle of, you know, maybe it's a strong word, but I, I, for me, it's like self-hatred. Yeah, I go through this cycle of self-hatred, like, oh, God, I can't believe I did that, or I didn't look good, and that person saw me, or, you know, you go through this, and then you just hate yourself, like, oh, how could you be so stupid, or, you know, why can't you fix this, right? Why can't you overcome this problem so that other people can accept you, right, so that you can walk out confidently in the world, and what I realized with the help of therapy and then on my own is that the only person that is in control of my life is myself, right? Newsflash. Right? It's just me. So I had to look inward and get myself right with myself. So I had to say, these things are working for me. These things aren't. Mm -hmm. These are the things that I'm willing to accept. These are the things I'm not. What do I have to go do? What are the steps that I need to take to change those things that aren't working for me? And when I, and then when I got to that place of realizing that I'm the one completely in control of what I take on from other people as well. So if you were to say to me, or those guys were to say to me, or anybody were to come to me and say, and believe me, I get a lot of hate (laughs) on the internet for being out and being bigger size, you know, for being out as a big size person. Oh God. The, the, the hate is extreme. It's all day, every day. The trolls just come out from everywhere. And Rebecca, 10 years ago, would have been shattered, just shattered. But now I know that I am in control of what energy I take on, what ideology I take on for myself, right? And if I choose to believe what somebody else is saying to me, that's wholly in my control. And we go through our, especially in social media today, especially with Instagram and everybody's taking selfies and everybody trying to show the best light of who they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to put up this perfect front um, and, and be this perfect person. And we're not, we're human. Right. And, <laughs> and we're failed, it's, fallible, imperfect. Exactly. <laughs> and it's important to, to acknowledge that you're human, acknowledge that you're imperfect, 
being authentic is the best thing that you can do. And in choosing what you're going to take on for yourself, it's not an easy road to do. It doesn't happen overnight. And for me, it took me a lot of practice to be able to, to realize that I am in control of the feelings that I'm going to take on for myself. The, the, um, you know, giving somebody that kind of energy over me. Mm -hmm. Um, so now when I get all the hate that I get, I just smile, I legit smile. Like people, like my friends want to like stick up for me. I'm like, don't stick up for me. You know, people are allowed to have their opinion. Not everybody's going to understand what it is that I'm doing. And that's okay. My message isn't for that. My message is for people that are in that dark place that are struggling. And it may not necessarily be about weight. You know, we all have things that we don't like about ourselves. Um, and there are past issues that, you know, everybody's gone through that's affected them and shaped them in their life and being able to get in touch with that part of yourself and do that work and, 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 and get there mentally to be able to stand in the mirror and say, no, I'm okay with this. I love this person. This person's awesome. And then when you love that person, then you're like, okay, I love me hundred percent. I don't care what anybody else says right now. I love me. So what things do I think need to change to make me a better version of myself for me, not for you, not for my family, not for anybody else, but for me. And I think when it comes to weight loss, when you come from that place, you're going to be successful. Yes. And, and you're going to, and you're going to get to the place where you want to be. That's good for you and not for anybody else. So you, you bring up so many points, great points. So with the therapy, what you're really describing, so taking on what other people say about you that you, you know, isn't true is a boundary. Yeah. And we, as women oftentimes don't have very good boundaries and particularly internal boundaries, listening boundaries, where we hear what other people say and we emotionally react to things even when they're not true. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you described. Really what you described to me sounds like a form of, and maybe you relate to this, maybe you don't, codependence recovery. Yeah. In a way. So being dependent on other people's opinion which I think that maybe a hundred percent of women I work with, <laughs> yes, <laughs> including myself, right, have these issues where we're overly dependent on what others think, what they say, how they feel. We're overly dependent on validation mm. from others. Um, so it sounds like you really walked that journey and um, came out on the other end and had done a complete turnaround. Yeah, I did. And it's, it's amazing when I look back at the Rebecca, I was, you know, seven years ago yeah. um, to what I am today, being on the internet and talking with people and, and living out in the world and, you know, going to restaurants whenever I want to, and, you know, getting on planes and traveling and doing all these things. I never would have thought in a million years, I would ever, ever give my permission to do. And that's what I do with my channel and with my writing and my podcast and everything that I do is I try to show people that they're, if I can do that, you can do that too. And it, but it's a process. And I, and I always like to tell people it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's hard, kind of dark work, 
when you look inward, sometimes being able to be alone with yourself and your thoughts without anything else around you could be the hardest thing in the world to do. And, and I encourage people to work on that because that is a big part of being um, self-aware and getting to that place of self-love and self-acceptance. Well, I, I love that for you, it really started with that internal, mental, emotional, and spiritual work. I really, I work with people on that with all health problems, because I always say that disease or dis-ease in the body is a sign that something's wrong and that that something is an energetic something before it's a physical something. You are absolutely correct. Every disease, whether it's overweight or you have a liver problem or a gallbladder problem or you have a uterine fibroid is an energetic problem and it's foundation that Mm -hmm. has to do with your mind, your emotions and your spirit. And then it out pictures in the physical. So you can't really heal completely without addressing that. So I love that you did that. Um, and, and so that's always a component of what I do, particularly with weight. And, um, I help people to see and just help me understand if this was a part of your journey and insight at all. Mm -hmm. I I have a special exercise I do where we do a visualization. I believe that every disease is a messenger and I have them close their eyes, get into a meditative state and dialogue with their ex with their fat. Yeah. And say, what did you come here to tell me? What role are you playing in my life? Yes. Because it wouldn't exist if it didn't have a purpose. Yes. And, and I've had some people have some incredible breakthroughs. I had one woman this last time I did my um, online course. She said that she realized that her weight was her excuse for why she didn't do anything. Oh, yeah right? Why I'm not in a relationship? Oh, because I'm overweight. Why don't I have the job I I want? Because I'm overweight. Why don't I live in the city? I don't, I want to live <laughs> because I'm overweight. And she realized that if she didn't have the weight as the excuse, then she wouldn't have an excuse. Absolutely. I relate to that a hundred percent. Yeah. So talk about that because I think that's huge. Yeah. Um, j- exactly what you said. I can go through that whole thing um, with my job. Um, when I was in that dark place, giving myself permission to be locked away in, in, in everything, um, I wouldn't, uh, ask for, you know, I'm a very capable person. I'm very smart. I'm driven. Um, but when I was at my job, I would never go for a leadership position or an advancement or a promotion, or I wouldn't go and look for another job that would, um, make me grow, um, in, in my career because I was fat, right? Nobody's going to listen to me. I'm fat. Nobody's going to give me that chance. I'm fat. Um, I don't want people to look at me cause I'm fat. You know, I can't, um, Oh yeah. Dating. No way. Didn't even try. Wouldn't even talk about it because no way can somebody find me of a person of value or find me attractive. Um, and then I would actually have to put myself out there and I would have to risk rejection or, or risk falling in love and, and getting hurt or, you know, all these things that we, we always get so fearful of. And so we shut down and we hide away. And that's what I did. Um, 
I have always wanted to travel and always wanted to go places, but I'm too fat. I can't get on a plane. I can't go do these things. I use my weight as an excuse for everything. I can't go to the fair. I can't go do these things. And when I got to that place of self-acceptance and I got to that place of being able to step out in the world and say, okay, it's okay for me to live on the world. It's okay for me to be me. It's okay for me to go for a better job and do the career that I want and put myself out there and take those chances. And I am so glad that I did because I'm doing everything, every single thing that I ever wanted to do, I'm doing now. And guess what? I'm still fat, right? So I'm still fat, but I did, you know, when I did start this journey, I did, I lost a hundred pounds. I got to a place where I was feeling a lot better. I was, you know, um, getting my food addiction under control. I was dealing with all of these things and I allowed myself permission to still live out in the world. The only person that was stopping me from doing everything that I wanted was myself. So, and that's what I would encourage anybody to look within when you're just like you said, that meditation, that looking within about your fat, why are you carrying this? What is what the source of that is. When I say looking in, that's what I did. The meditation, the actually looking within into myself and finding out why do I need this? And I realized that a a big portion of why I had the food addiction and why I carried this around for so long was for safety. Yes. I needed to have that safety. Um, you know, I had gone through some, some pretty rough things growing up and weight was that safety. It was that buffer. It kept me safe. Well, let, can we talk a little bit more about that? Cause I have to say straight up that I find so many women who were sexually abused as children yes. have weight issues. I, I, oh, absolutely. Rare exception. Mm-hmm. It, it, really amazes me. Um, and I, I keep saying we're going to look at the literature to see if anyone's looked at this, mm-hmm. but it is protection because it's a physical barrier because uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse is a violation of your physical body, but also it's making yourself unattractive right. for sexual advances. Absolutely. And that, that's, that was a big thing that happened to me when I was younger. Cause I was sexually abused when I was younger. Um, and unfortunately I was abused again as I got a little bit older and I had, you know, I've always struggled with weight. There wasn't a time where I wasn't a big kid. Um, but when that abuse did start happening for me, it did escalate. Um, I gained a lot more weight, you know, I was 200 pounds and the sixth grade. Um, and no sixth grade kids should have to carry around that kind of weight. And, um, and I realized that, um, when I got older, how I was thinking, I was watching a movie is what it was when I was going through my therapy and there was a woman who was attacked and I, and I thought to myself, Oh my God, she's so small and so frail. Like, well, I mean, that guy's going to hurt. Like, you know, she's stubborn. She's, yeah. she's so frail. She's so breakable. And it, it just dawned on me like, holy crap. <laughs> I I don't look at myself like that because I have all this weight and I carry out. I'm strong. Right? <laughs> right. So nobody's going to attack me. Nobody's going to take me down because I have all of this protecting me. And that was a really breakthrough moment. And actually 
a lot of plus size women that I have talked to, you're absolutely right, have gone through abuse. They do still struggle with that. And that is a big reason why they carry the weight that they do. So, um, you know, I, when I was in therapy, that was a big thing that we talked about was the abuse that I had. And I think once I was able to work through it, mm-hmm. the abuse portion and get to a place of peace and understanding for myself mm-hmm. and letting that go, I was able to work a little bit more, um, about my own identity and my own self-acceptance and my own self-love outside of that. Yes. Because Sometimes that becomes your identity. Oh, yes. If, if that's the first, oh, I, who are you? Oh, I'm a sexual abuse survivor. And right. it shouldn't become your identity. But right. once you see what role the dis-ease in your body, the weight in your body is playing for you, mm-hmm. then you can say, oh, do I really want the results I'm getting? And you can say, well, no, I want to protect myself in a different way. How can I protect myself? I can have very clear boundaries. Exactly. Um, and decide whom I, with whom I want to be sexual and with whom not mm-hmm. you have clear physical boundaries, all of those things. And then you can, I actually have people take them through an exercise where they thank that dis-ease and bless it and let it go because it served a purpose. And I just find that's been life changing for some people. I I'm also really interested. You mentioned, um, food addiction. Mm-hmm. And not, I won't say that everybody with whom I work and has a weight problem has a food addiction, but lots of people do. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious how you address that because I'm a big fan of Overeaters Anonymous, OA. I know there are lots of programs out there. And I get a lot of resistance from people. You know? I'm not an addict. <laughs> that was the first, you know, I say this in a lot of my videos that the first step to self-acceptance and the first step to getting to a place where it's best for you is admitting who you are exactly. And my therapist brought up, Oh, Hey, I had the book. I, we, she's like, come on, Rebecca, just come to one meeting with me or come on, let's do one phone call, one call in. We could do this. I'm like, no, no. (laughs) And, but the thing is what she, I had the most amazing therapist. Yeah. And she cared so much about me. And what she did is she helped me to acknowledge I have a food addiction and acknowledge and realizing that food addiction isn't just sitting there eating a whole bunch of food. And a lot of people don't understand that. It is the behavior that goes around it. That's the way it is for any addict when it comes to drugs or or alcohol. It's the hiding. It's the obsessive components to it. Like, um, when I was in the height of my food addiction, you know, it would surprise people. I would go days without eating because it needed to be the right moment for me to a leave my house to be, to get the right food at the right places. And the right people needed to be working at those places. It needed to be the correct amounts. And if I couldn't come to all, if all those pieces couldn't come together, I would sit there just in my house, just like not eating and completely like obsessing over every single little detail. And then I would go and finally, when everything kept the stars aligned, mm-hmm. I would go out and just, you know, get all the food that I wanted. And then I would systematically eat it. And I'd have this whole process, how I would eat it, how a ritual, the whole ritual around it. 
the, the, the obsessive thinking and the ritual, that's the addiction and, and being able to break that Mm -hmm. and being able to stop that cycle is, um, something I've been able to overcome, but there are still times where it gets stressful for me in, or I, I, I'm having, you know, a really bad week or something like that. And I find myself going back to those old ways of thinking, those old ways of ritual. And then all of a sudden I'm sitting here with a whole bunch of food. I'm like, whoa, you know, I didn't, I didn't do the process that I know that I needed to do to interrupt those thoughts to stop myself from getting to this point. Right. And I just want to make sure everybody listening, if you're thinking, oh, I wonder if I am a food addict. I wonder if I am a, a sugar addict. This is what I said to a patient recently that made it crystal clear. The definition of an addiction is anything that you, a substance that you take or something that you do that causes you adverse consequences, but you keep doing it anyway. Right. (laughs) So if you have adverse consequences because of what you're eating and you keep doing it, you might be a food addict. Right. If you have adverse consequences because of what you're purchasing, you might be a shopping addict. If you have adverse consequences because of alcohol you're drinking, you might be an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And she kind of looked at me and just was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, I'm working with her on getting her to go to OA. We'll see if she actually does it. She did look up a meeting and find one. Um, but I just want to say also, it's so it's a ritualized behavior that is used to medicate intolerable internal reality. Absolutely. Which is anxiety, Mm -hmm. depression. And it's a tool that we learn to use early on. And food does have a biochemical reaction, particularly high carb foods Mm -hmm. that calms our nervous system. And so it's, it's right to become an addictive substance. I mean, I think an Oreo is something like 80 times more addictive to rats than cocaine. They did a study at Princeton on that. So we, most of, many of us are uh, sugar and food addicts. Mm -hmm. So how did you deal with that? Um, Learning to interrupt my, my spiral way of thinking. Um, Because when I started down that path of thinking about food, and a, a lot of people who um, overeat can kind of relate to that. It's you just start thinking about it and um, you just go down that road and then you're all of a sudden you're eating all this food. And for me, I was being able to stop that and going to do something different, meditating, reading a book, going for a walk, um, you know, uh, g- calling up a friend, something that I normally wouldn't do because I never liked reaching out to people. Mm-hmm. Um doing something to kind of interrupt that flow. And I'm not always successful. Sometimes I fail. Mm -hmm. And and another big part of it is not beating yourself up when you do fail. Because that just causes that that cycle of, again, of of hating yourself for failing and and falling off the wagon and, and, you know, eating that Oreo um, and, and setting yourself back and you're like, Oh my God, why did I do this? And then you beat yourself up about it. And then, Oh, I already had an Oreo. So I might as well just go have that pint of ice cream or, you know, and, and you just fall down that rabbit hole. So, uh, for me, it was doing something to interrupt that process that I love so much. Oh my God. Even right now, just thinking about it because it is like an addictive thing. The process of it is like very calming to me, very soothing, 
being able to sit and do these things mm-hmm. and um, um, doing things that in place of that. So instead of eating in front of the TV, I eat at the table. Instead of eating, you know, and, and watching TV, no, I, I don't have my phone. I don't have the TV in front of me. I'm just sitting here eating my meal and focusing on the food that I'm eating. Right. And, and, um, you know, there are different ways that for me, when I lost hundred pounds, I did keto, um, and intermittent fasting, which I mean, I still do that now. Um, and I, I loved it. I thought it was great. Uh, you're right. When you don't have sugar, when you're not addicted to sugar for, you know, for X amount of time, it's amazing how different you feel. Right. You feel pretty clear, right? Right. How you felt? Yeah, absolutely. I, and then when you fall off, like, cause I would, I think I went like, I lost a hundred pounds in like four months. It was like really drastic very mm-hmm. quickly. And, um, when I did start to add in carbs and sugar again, the difference of how I felt was huge mm-hmm. before right. you're having sugar. Cause in keto diet, you're not eating any carbs hardly at all. Um, Right. So hmm? let's get, let's talk a little bit about the medical side since you mentioned keto. Mm-hmm. So in my program, quantum keto, that's what I work with people, but it's quantum. So we deal with the mental, emotional, spiritual, and it, and it works. And I am board certified OBGYN, but I'm also fellowship trained in something called functional medicine, which is root cause medicine. So we look at the underlying causes of disease. Mm-hmm. And that's how I ultimately lost 100 pounds because I had tried every calorie reduction, increased calorie expenditure, so less in, more out program. And it would work for a while, but then it wouldn't. And I would just go up and down. And then when I discovered functional medicine, I treated the root cause, so hormone imbalance, toxicity, nutritional deficiency, and mental, emotional, and spiritual imbalance. Mm -hmm. And then the weight just came off as a byproduct. I finally had given up on weight loss and said, okay, I just want to feel better and be healthy. And when I went for the health by addressing the root causes, oh, look, the weight came off. And I actually retired from OBGYN in 2011 and have practiced functional medicine full time. And so... I just find it incredulous that how can you be over 350 pounds and you say the doctors say all your tests were normal? Yes. And so what that makes me think is in mainstream medicine, one of the things that we do, how we assess people's weight is we look at norms and that's defined by what 95% of the population has. Right. But we all know that the majority of Americans are not healthy. I mean, one in two people are going to get cancer right. in a lifetime. Um, and then we have cardiovascular de- disease, strokes. I mean, we have all these health issues. Uh, and the pharmaceutical inter- industry is a multi-billion dollar a year industry to control these diseases. Mm-hmm. So the, what the lab says is normal isn't optimal. And so I almost wish I could have a snapshot and see your labs because I think something's going to be off in there. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and, and do you think that with people who are supersized that you're, 
your labs would stay that normal now and be the same in 10 years, 20 years? No, absolutely not. And I, I want to make this clear when I talk about health and for me and supersized uh-huh. people being overweight, I speak for myself. Okay. I know that there are a lot of supersized people who struggle with health, who don't have, you know, whose blood work is, I, I have friends that have cardio issues, who have um, mm-hmm. problems with their blood sugars, who are diabetics, who are struggling with all these different things. So I'm not saying that um, being supersized means that you don't have these health issues. I'm saying okay. that at this moment in time for me, I'm fairly healthy other than I do have the weight I do need to lose. And I will, um, when it's, you know, I will go down that path and how I want to do that when I'm ready to do that. Right. So I'm always about doing things that are best for you when it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the way I look at it. Um, and, and that's what I encourage other people to do is being able to, and that's what I speak of, of, of getting to that place mentally, like you were saying, getting to the root of your problems, then figuring out what it is I need to change about myself. And then you can be successful in making those changes. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I do know that there are health issues with being overweight and supersized. And um, I don't deny that whatsoever. Uh, so, uh, that, that's definitely not something that I'm doing. And people do say that I, I'm glorifying obesity by speaking and being out in the world and talking about body positivity. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case. I'm saying you can't be a healthy person if you don't love who you are. So true. And it's, it's so true. Right. So nobody that's is somebody who comes to you. Like I, I have a family member who is absolutely miserable. I mean, she is a victim and I know mean, she just hates the world, right? She hates herself. She hates the world. She's just a, a miserable person. Right. And she has all these health problems to go with it. And I've talked to her about this and I feel like a lot of her health issues would be solved if she worked within herself to get rid of that energy, that negativity Mm -hmm. that she harbors and she won't let go. Sometimes being the victim for people is all they have. Yes. You know? Yes. And and I'm a big fan of Abraham Hicks, the law of attraction. And when you have all that negative emotion, you have a lot of resistance Mm -hmm. and that resistance is going to cause a problem in your body. Exactly. I I mean, I have seen that happen so clear in my face, Mm -hmm. somebody who harbors all of that within themselves and in it just outwardly manifests in diseases in, in hurts and aches and, and just your out view, the way that you look at the world. Um, so that's why I have the platform that I have and that's what I do what I do. I'm not saying be 600 pounds and eat your cookies and love yourself and it's okay. And who cares about health? You know, Sure, you're help. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. You know, I'm saying look within yourself and realize it and not realize, but figure out who you are and get to that place of where you're doing things for the appropriate reasons that is good for yourself. And then when you get to that place, you're going to be successful in the things that you set out to do. And that's the whole reason why I do what I do. So why do you think that there is an actual body positivity movement and why are people so vehemently on one side or the other? What's <laughs> well, your whole think, take on this? Yes, it's, it's, it's pretty, I mean, I don't know if you, uh, you know who Tess Holliday is. I don't no. know if you've heard of her. Tess Holliday mm-hmm. is, um, 
is a plus size model. And she's the first model to be on like the cover of Cosmopolitan. She's like a size 26 or something like that. And it's, it's interesting for me to see how people came out. So, I mean, she got death threats, um, you know, because she was on Cosmo. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because she's, she's glorifying obesity. She's, she's a bad influence to people. She's, this horrible, evil person. So what we've, what we've done in our society is we have taken the term fat and we have attached all of these, um, these uh, connotations to it that to be fat means that you're um, like a thief or a criminal or something. Like you're this bad drain wow. on society to be fat. And um, I mean, she, uh, Joe Rogan, I don't know if you know who Joe Rogan yeah. is. He has a radio station and he tore into her. Um, just couldn't understand why she was on the cover. Couldn't, I mean, he, in his callers were all agreeing and everything like that. And, you know, I, again, I'm all for everybody having their own opinion. And if that's what you want to believe, that's fine. If you don't find somebody who's overweight is attractive. If you think it's a detriment to their health, you know what? That's their problem. And that's their life. It doesn't mean you should dehumanize them. And treat them less than a person's state of health does not mean they should get, it means that that's the level of respect that they should be given. Amen. So, and and that is the problem. That's why there's a body positive movement because there are too many people in our society. Too many people have been raised too often in media, on television, on radio, that people are just looked at as these pathetic people who sit at home and cry into their televisions and they struggle and they just eat all this food and they have no life and they, they don't work. They're not leaders. I tell you what, there are so many leaders that are plus size that are leaders in their community. They're good parents. They're good mothers. They're out there making a change in the world. They are contributing to the betterment of this country, of the world. And we're here. And we have a voice and we should be allowed to have an Instagram account and show pictures of our body. Mm -hmm. We should be allowed to go after that job or be in that movie or God forbid, be considered attractive by somebody else. We are humans too. Right. And, you know, just what you're describing brings to mind, and I'm not remembering the specific reference, but uh, there have been some pieces done in magazines where they've celebrated people who are albino, people who have disabilities that are missing limbs, people who have elephantitis and they do very artistic, beautiful pictures to highlight and exhibit these physical variations that are some form of disease. And so why should someone be shamed and get death threats because they're overweight? I mean, the disparity between how we view obesity and other health problems is when did it become a moral failure to be overweight? Absolutely. I'm trying to figure that out myself, <laughs> right? Because I tell you what, I work 20 hours a day, seven days a week. I am working all the time. Nobody can look at my schedule and see the things that I do on a daily basis and say, I'm a lazy person who doesn't work and doesn't pay her bills and who's a drain on society. And I can mm-hmm. name, you know, women who are my size and smaller that are raising children and who are teachers and doctors and therapists and, and they're doing these great things. And why should they be treated 
like anything other than you would anybody else on the street just because they're heavier than you. Or, you know, nobody's trying to make you date a fat girl. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> nobody's trying to make you find me attractive. I'm just saying, hey, when you see me, treat me like you would anybody else. Right. You know, treat like you would want to be treated. We're not subhumans. And I, I wonder if people think that by shaming people who are overweight that they're going to cause them to lose weight. But the studies consistently show that high school students, for instance, who are bullied and fat shamed are more likely to suffer with depression and yeah. commit suicide. And that eating disorder levels go up in communities where people who are overweight are shamed. And I know that doctors have been frowned upon because a lot of them have participated in it too. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love functional medicine because it really is the answer for, I, I have yet to see a person that it didn't work for because you're addressing the root causes instead of just telling someone, oh, you're lazy, you don't exercise enough and you eat too much. It's like, oh no, you have hormone imbalances. Right. Oh, you have toxicity, mm -hmm. you have a gut problem, you have dysbiosis, you have, you know, heavy metals, whatever it is. Oh, you have these nutritional deficiencies. I mean, most people are not aware that 90% of people who are overweight have nutritional deficiencies yeah. and that there are actual nutrients that you must have to open a fat cell, take the fat out, burn it and get rid of it. If you don't have those nutrients, you can't do that. Right. So, um, I, I think it's time we put to rest. It is not a moral failure. <laughs> I, I agree. And shaming doesn't work. Take it from my story. Those guys at that restaurant, they shamed me for an hour solid while I was sitting in there um, making fun of my size. And it did quite the opposite. It made me shut myself away and gain hundreds of pounds because I was so fearful of anybody to see me. So shaming doesn't always work. You know, shaming um, just causes more problems. Um, and um, I would, I, and I agree with what you're saying, getting to the root cause of what is causing the, the, the weight problem right. is the most important thing. Now, um, another issue that I'm curious about is this fact that some people have been against the body positivity movement because they say it's still objectifying women. Ah, that's interesting. And, and I was just going to add to that. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, sorry, that, um, I, I read about a couple actors. Uh, there was an actress, I don't recall her name, and she was overweight. So she was in the supersized camp. She had a huge following and people supported her because she was overweight and successful. And then she lost the weight. Oh uh, yeah. That's and she was getting death threats. Yes. And so that was in the, the comment about it's still objectifying women was in relation to that. It's, it's still, you have to be what we think you should be so we can accept you. That is a very big part of, uh, there's a big side of the body positive movement that is like that. Um, I don't, I have no part of that. Uh, I, I think that uh, some people, like when anybody who's any group that's marginalized and who's put off to the side as being outcasts, when their time kind of comes to push out and say, we're going to make you see us. We're going to have a voice. 
when they um there you get kind of people that are i want to say a little bit more zealous a little bit more fundamentalist on, on the message and they want things to look and say a certain way so like if you don't date a fat girl i mean i've, I've read blogs and articles about this of, of people in the body positive movement who shame guys who won't give a fat girl a chance and i think that's a horrible thing to do because attraction is personal and what I'm attracted to is not going to be what you're attracted to. And nobody should be shamed because they don't find a fat girl attractive. Um, there, there shouldn't be any shamed at all. But th- these are the kind of people who are like, really like, you shouldn't talk about losing weight. You shouldn't talk about getting smaller. You, you know, you can't be a part of the body positive movement and talk about health and talk about exercise and being out there and moving and everything like that, because you're going against the message. Oh, and I think it's because we're finally getting some traction. So some people get a little bit more zealous about it and they want it to say, and, and they want the message to be a certain kind of way. And if it should deviate from that, then these people are not uh, worthy of the movement. They shouldn't be a part of it. And they've kind of, they're turncoats, right? So uh, I wonder if you're talking about Gabby, I can't, I can't say her last name. Yeah. No, it was somebody else, but what's, did she lose a lot of weight also? She did. She had weight loss surgery and she lost a lot of weight and she was beautiful before she's beautiful now, but I have seen some people that, you know, talk trash about her and I love her responses. Her response is my health is none of your business. (laughs) And I love that about her. I'm like, yes, it's not, it's not anybody's business. You know? Um, so I think in any kind of, of movement, you're going to find this. You're going to find the people that are a little bit more like fundamentalist about the message. And if you should deviate from it, you're, you're, you're taking away from what it is that we're trying to do um, or objectifying women. I like the body positive movement because it's not just women. I see a lot of people in the body positive movement, like you were talking about with diseases, with, um, with like skin scars and, and, and men who are overweight. It's not just about fat women. And, um, I think some fat women need to remember it's not just about fat women, that it's about all people. And that's what body positivity is supposed to be about. That's what self-acceptance and self-love is supposed to be about, about all people. And when you get distracted from that message and you try to put terms on it, um, you take, you're taking away from what it is that you're trying to do. And, um, so I definitely don't agree with the, with that part at all. And I don't think it's objectifying women. I personally love seeing a, a big girl rock a two-piece bikini um, on Instagram because I think, yes, she accepts her. You know, she's got that confidence. Yeah. I love seeing that. Um, and she's doing what's good for her. And I, I, don't, I don't see that as glorifying um, or uh, – objectifying women. I think it's just being proud of who you are and accepting who you are. And, um, for some people it takes a long time to get there. And then when you get there, you want to, you want to talk about all the things and do all the things. And, um, so it's just kind of trying to find that balance. And I think we see more plus size people in the, in mainstream, more plus size people on TV and movies being represented in a fair way. You're going to see that kind of more fundamentalism kind of fall off and a more 
um, broad uh, view uh, of what the plus size community is, is really about, which is just about um, growth and, and self-love. If I hear you right, it, there really are two separate camps there. I'm plus size, big, beautiful, and I want to stay this way and everything about me is perfect and don't try to change me. And there's really the other camp, which it sounds like you're in is whatever size you are, love yourself. And if you have health issues, work on the weight loss, but it all comes from loving yourself. And it sounds like really two completely different views. It, it is. I'm all for people living their life the way that they want to live their life. And if somebody in, in camp one wants to be plus size and wants to live their life that way, and they are happy with that, and they are mentally healthy, and they understand the consequences, uh, good or bad, of what the decisions that they're making on how they want to live their life, by all means, do, do you, you know, love yourself, do whatever you want to do. If you're in the other camp um, where it's, you know, you've done that self uh, reflection, you, you understand, you know, what your consequences would be to stay plus size. And you realize that that's not going to work for you. Mm-hmm. You need to work on your inner to get to the root of your disease. I love that you do that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, you know, and get to that place and find the process that's going to work for you to get to a place that's going to make you happy, which may be a hundred pounds lost, maybe 50, maybe 200, you know, it all depends. That's what I love about the world and who you are is you can live your life. However you want, you don't need to follow a guideline or blueprint on how other people want you to be. Yes. I'm so grateful to have you here today. You're, you're such a positive role model for humans. Thank you. Of any size. Just your message of self-love, self-acceptance, I think is an important message for everyone to hear because no matter who you are, I, I read a statistic when I was preparing for the podcast, only one in four people are extremely satisfied with their physical appearance. Yeah. One in four. That's pretty sad. It should be all of us, no matter what shape, size, color, whatever our nose looks like, our eyes look like, that would be the ideal. And so I love that you are about self-acceptance. And I I tell my people in my boot camp, nothing's going to change until you accept and love this. Exactly. And appreciate it. Yep. You can't hate yourself then. You just can't. No, you can't. So what would be, I'd like you to leave everybody listening with your top three take action tips for their health to move towards brilliant health because the name of the podcast is Her Brilliant Health. Mm -hmm. And then I'd love for you to share with everyone how you would define Her Brilliant Health. Okay. Um, The first thing that I would do uh, to tell people take action is meditation. I think meditation is so very important and meditation doesn't necessarily mean sitting quiet in a room with your eyes closed. Sometimes meditation can take the place of, of drawing or coloring or doing something that's, you know, by yourself, that's methodical, you know, just having that peace and that quiet so that you can look within and kind of gauge what's going on in your world, gauge how you're feeling about things and kind of getting to that, that, that space. And then the next step would be is 
once you get to that space is getting real with yourself about what that means. Like, am I okay with how things are going? Am I okay with how the way I'm feeling? What actions and steps do I need to take to be a better person or to, to correct this? Or am I going to take the option of not correcting it and then deal with the consequences of that? And that doesn't necessarily mean anything about health. That could just be emotion. That could just be dealing with, you know, stress at work, dealing with, you know, uh, how you're thinking about your partner, uh, all these different things, getting to that place of, um, recognizing what's going on and then taking those action steps to fix that. Um, so I, so meditation, um, would be number one Two, identifying what issues, if any are, are causing you to have, um, emotional or physical pains within yourself. Mm-hmm. And then three, um, taking uh, steps to fix that. Um, They could be just small, um, taking time for yourself, going for a walk, taking time to communicate with your partner, sitting down with them, saying, this is what's going on in my world. This is how I'm feeling. I think we should do A, B, and C. You know, those kind of things, just small things. Um, But even when you feel like you're at the top of your game and you're feeling great, it all starts with that meditation, that looking inward where you can identify places for growth mm-hmm. and improvement and even re- realizing uh, emotions that might be hidden that you didn't realize were there oh. to begin with. And, and that's why I, I, I'm a very big about, about meditating and looking inward. So that's where it would start. Well, I love this. So you're SSBBW, but none of your top three tips are about weight. And that should just tell everybody listening It's about the weight, but it's not about the weight. The weight is not about the weight. Exactly. (laughs) It's about other things. The weight is just a symptom. So thank you for that. And how do you define her brilliant health? I define brilliant by being 100% authentically me all the time, living my truth being who I am and not making apologies for that. So that's how I, I, and I think that once I could do that within it's, it radiates throughout my body. It radiates to the people around me and that just helps make the world a better place. I absolutely love that. And I love you. And I love that you took the time to come share yourself with us. Everybody watching, everybody listening Thank you so much for your journey because it's just brought so many fruits that I think everybody's going to really enjoy and um, be successful with. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And this special episode was brought to you by the Quantum Keto Bootcamp. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Her Brilliant Health Radio. Hopefully you are inspired to take action on some new information you received today. A step towards the bountiful, blissful, beautiful vitality that you deserve. If you have health topics and questions you'd like addressed, please message me on my Facebook page or visit KieranDunstonMD.com and let me know. I'd love to help. Remember to share this podcast on social media and send it to your friends and family who could benefit from it too. 
If you love the show, please go right now to iTunes, write a review, and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll be the first to know when future episodes are available. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, achieving optimal health isn't magic, it's science.